Hey everyone, this is Michelle Hensley with The Edge of Grace. Make sure you follow and share us so everybody that is looking for information on recovery has the opportunity to obtain that. We're going to share all of our links with all of our guests that have appeared on our Facebook page. Subscribe and follow. Just do it. It's recovery. It could save somebody's life. Share, follow, sponsor. We need sponsors. Yeah, so I grew up in Greenfield. Um, I, I love the fact that I get to serve at the church that I grew up in most of my life. I'm one of nine kids. I've got five brothers and three sisters. And so growing up, I had two questions asked to me. Were we Catholic? <laughs> and when I said no, it was, are your parents crazy? Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all of us, one mom, one dad that have been married for over 45 years. And so blessed with a, a family that is close and loves each other, really devoted to faith growing up but not free from just life, you know. I think if, if I think back in my life, my earliest memory is probably when I was four, and uh, I got hit by a car, riding a bicycle, just out playing. I guess I hit a car would be a better description. Came down a hill and just smacked into it and remember some of the events of that, but then recovering well from that physically and remember my parents and my church, our church at the time, praying over me and just thanking God that my life was spared. So I always grew up with a sense of God's protection on my life and, and like I was created for some sort of purpose, even in my struggle. Like I think that was, that existed in the back of my mind. But uh, having as many siblings as I did, especially six boys, like were full of energy, full of mischief, full of anything you could do to get in trouble. <laughs> that was it. And so... I remember some of my older siblings that did have some issues with substance use and abuse, and that, that started even in teen, teen years. And so I remember as early as five, six, seven years old, uh, when they would get in trouble, uh, my parents having to gather us together and say, hey, this happened, and now this sibling is going to have to be, maybe it was at a juvenile program or at a halfway house. What really wrecked me about that wasn't just how much it hurt me, but was seeing the pain in my parents. It impacted all of us and made us sad, but uh, the memory and what really hit me was the pain that I saw in my parents when they told us, you know, their baby, (laughs) now being a parent, I, I can understand a little bit more, but their child was going away for three months or six months or even up to a year or more. And so I remember from the that moment forward, wanting to do everything I could to keep from hurting other people. You know, how my actions, I understood then that our actions impacted others, and specifically my parents. Um, Seeing their pain, uh, I didn't want to ever inflict that on them. Um, Now, looking back, I realize that's the the root of my codependency, you know, Uh, feeling like I'm responsible for everybody else's emotions, and if not kept in check, your life might dominate around that instead of fulfilling your purpose or, or just taking responsibility in yourself. So, so as we grew up, you know, we experienced that, experienced the, the impact uh, of substance use and abuse. Um, I remember being angry at it more than anything else, not necessarily angry at my siblings, but angry at the fact that 
there was alcohol, there was marijuana, there was, was harder drugs available and people could use it and then seeing the impact that it had on families. And so, uh, I think I always grew up with some, a sense of anger toward, you know, illegal substances, even some legal substances. And, uh, that wasn't the only thing I was angry about, uh, growing up with, uh, eight siblings. Uh, we, my, my parents, uh, provided everything we, they could for us, uh, a loving home, great example of faith and life. My dad working two jobs my entire life to provide everything he could, but still we didn't have what other kids had. And so, uh, I started to envy others, being jealous of, of other kids our age, uh, being exposed to, to, you know, a lifestyle that they had that we didn't have. And, uh, for me that it was just, my life was normal. Uh, growing up in our family, it was, it was crazy. It was a lot of energy. My mom homeschooled the younger five of us to add to that. And so, uh, I'm blessed, uh, to have spent so much time with my mother and I think inherited her gentle spirit from that, her sensitive spirit, both to, to God, but also to other people. You know, we, we would often, we'd spend all our, all our, uh, morning time getting all our schoolwork done at home and then head out the door to the boys and girls club or to the park, spent all of our days there playing, uh, whatever we could, uh, getting into trouble whenever we could and all, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, growing up, just, uh, having, again, that sensitive, compassionate spirit from my mother really impacted, uh, I think me and my siblings, uh, but then seeing also my father and his commitment to providing for us. Uh, like I said, I've never had a time in my life where my dad didn't have at least two jobs and sometimes three, uh, just to provide, uh, for us and to provide opportunities for us. And so, a mix of my mom's compassion and my dad's motiv- motivation and drive uh, really led me in life in some ways really great in other ways in some destructive patterns. Uh, you know, uh, I mentioned as, as I was growing, my codependency continued to develop. Uh, my siblings, as they got into their early 20s and, and into their 30s, me as a teenager, uh, I began to take full responsibility for who they were and where they were headed. And if anyone in my family made a poor choice, my first response was, what should I have done to keep them from that? You know, it was, it was almost my fault that anybody I knew ended up in a bad situation or ended up uh, hurting themselves. And so it was that compassion of uh, really feeling uh, love for, for my family but then the motivation of, okay, now I have to do something about it to fix it. I just became a fixer. And so uh, that motivated my, my actions, I think, through most of my teen years. Uh, I did pick up some addictions along the way, uh, mainly in pornography. And uh, being exposed to that at an early age by a friend and then spending the night at other people's houses and uh, being exposed to it on TV or through magazines. By the time I was in middle school, uh, had a full-blown addiction to it, you know. The shame that came along with that of knowing it was wrong but not wanting to confess it to anyone else, hide it. And then uh, every time I viewed it, every time I acted on it, just feeling the weight of it more and more. And it was a struggle I had for several years before I ever opened up and shared it with anyone, you know, really stepped out of uh, denial and asked for accountability or for encouragement uh, and when I did, that changed how I dealt with it. And so, um, but yeah, through through my teen years, um, 
trying to navigate just life, uh, trying to be motivated to achieve some goals. Uh, I, I used, now looking back, I know how often I used anger uh, for the energy to achieve something, you know, uh, struggling with some jealousy, st- struggling with being angry at others. Uh, when I felt that anger, I knew the energy that came from it. And so it motivated me to train hard for sports, to work hard for school and grades and uh, to do whatever I could to seek the approval of, of other people. And so growing up, had those deep rooted issues really of addiction with pornography, uh, anger, uh, and codependency, but no real avenue, I guess, to, to express it. Uh, and just the understanding that, Hey, this is part of life. And so just deal with it and move forward. Uh, I guess, uh, I took on the typical man, uh, <laughs> stance early on, even in my teen years, if there's a problem, just keep going, fix it yourself or avoid it and, and move on. So my, my life really, uh, really started to change my eighth grade year spiritually, uh, being mentored by one of our youth ministers, uh, Troy has had a huge impact on my life. And, uh, when he took us as a youth group to, uh, a youth conference, uh, one of the speakers, uh, who was also the lead singer of my favorite band, Third Day, Mac Powell, uh, gave, gave the, uh, youth an opportunity, uh, to really re- question you know where they were spiritually uh and he said you know some of you guys have grown up in church all along you know how to play the church role but do you really own your faith and have you ever really taken uh the step to accept jesus as your lord and savior and really took responsibility for your own faith and uh when he gave that call i realized hey i hadn't i I played a good church card uh on sunday and at youth group but the rest of my life was really dominated by anger and dominated by poor choices that nobody in our church family would ever know. So I made that commitment my my uh, eighth grade year uh, to really accept Jesus. And that, that changed the perspective, the, di- uh, the, the direction of my life in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I thought it would fix all my problems with anger, with uh, pornography at that time, and uh, just even problems in my family's life. And found out it didn't, <laughs> uh, there, there were, there's certainly help when we accept the Lord. Uh, there, there's help through, uh, the Bible, there's help through prayer, there's help through the fellowship, uh, with, with other people in the church. But if you don't actively, you know, seek that help, seek that encouragement, if you just hide it between you and, and nobody else really, uh, you don't, you don't get victory. Loved, uh, growing up again in a family that was close, was supportive. Uh, one, uh, one of my closest friends, uh, has always been one of my brothers. We played ball together. He was a year ahead of me, idolized him in almost every way. Uh, he was always cooler than me, better than me, got the girls that I couldn't get. <laughs> and so loved him, idolized him, and was so jealous uh, of him a lot of times. Still to this day, he's one of my, my best friends and I know we can go to each other for anything. Uh, but in, in, Junior high, high school sports was vital. Uh, we had to go to public school in order to play uh, for the varsity team back then, and so we we did and uh, got into uh, high school with just sports being the main thing. And uh, first real, uh, I guess, tragic event uh, for for me and my friends. 
was my sophomore year of high school when my teammates just got his license and driver's license and I was out driving and a night he shouldn't had a speed he shouldn't and got in a wreck and, and ended up losing uh, his life and I remember uh, going getting the call one in the morning uh, after we we woke up and my parents telling me the news that Zach had passed uh, and then going to uh, to the gym and seeing just the grief uh, on my classmates um, I knew Zach was a believer I knew he, I knew he he would be in heaven, um, or even was, but seeing the hopelessness that my my friends felt, uh, because many of them didn't didn't know anything about the Lord, uh, and just the raw grief uh, really shook me up, and really even at that point uh, started to challenge me on what what am I gonna give my life to? Am I just going to pursue my own goals and dreams, or is there something that I can do to bring hope to other people, uh, especially in, in areas of life when the hurt and the pain is the most? Um, and so I still uh, pursued sports, played played sports through high school, had the opportunity in college to uh, to go and to play as well. I loved uh, every every minute of it. Uh, I went to Franklin College and, and was able to play. Uh, sports for two years there, play on the basketball team. But uh, again, my sophomore year of college, one of my uh, high school teammates, uh, he was diagnosed with cancer the year before. And he uh, battled it for over a year. But then uh, on October 24th, uh, I remember my my friend Kyle called me and he's like, Todd, Todd's gone. And being outside my dorm, getting ready to go to uh, to practice, uh, again, it was just like God sh- shook me. And it was like, man, is this all that there is to life? For me, sports, uh, pursuing my own dreams, it really uh, dominated a lot of who I was and what I did. Um, but it kind of put me into a season of really evaluating where, where my life was going and if I could do something or be used somehow to bring some sort of hope, uh, to others. Uh, during this time, you know, I was, uh, still really struggled with looking back. I know now st- struggled with anger, struggled with codependency, struggled, uh, with feeling like the weight of the world needed to be on my shoulders. And so I know I didn't always handle those situations, maybe the healthiest way through that. I, I, I felt like I needed to change the direction of my life and start, studying toward uh, being a minister and and maybe doing some sort of ministry uh, in some way. And so uh, made that decision in college and, and changed, uh, changed directions. I started studying religious studies and philosophy. And throughout my college experience, was really grateful to be exposed to the world, to be exposed to the good, uh, but also to be exposed to just the real deep hurt that exists, you know, um, the need for basic things that people, uh, lack all over the world, things like clean water, um, the, the amount of children and and teens that are trafficked in, and just my heart just broke consistently over and over and over again. And each time that happened, my response was, I have to do something about it. Like I have to fix 
the problem. I have to do something and, and uh, to fuel that with just the anger of the apathy that most of us just feel because we don't know or things are too big and we, we have no idea how to make a difference at all. Um, and so, again, I think the, the root of my anger, the root of my codependency just continued to develop even while I was trying to pursue what I felt like God was calling me to uh, in ministry. Uh, it, it just uh, it was out of control uh, and really dominated who I was and what I was doing. When I, when I was a senior in college, uh, our pastors or elders, they'd been praying for me about uh, possibly coming on staff and met with me. And one of the greatest things uh, I've ever been told in my life was when my senior pastor said, we, we want you. We want you to serve here. Um, and just him then speaking life and speaking uh, what he saw in me and how I could be used by uh, the church and by God to, to impact others. Uh, was just incredible, and so uh, I, I was able to join our, our church staff and be a be a pastor of student ministries, uh, where I served for ten years and uh, loved every minute of it. Um, shortly after I graduated college, uh, through some uh, situations in my family, two of my nephews were in a position where their their future was in limbo. Who they would be with would be in limbo, and so. I chose to pursue taking guardianship of them and was granted uh, guardianship of my 10-year-old, 12-year-old nephew uh, at the age of 23 and uh, was really grateful for for the opportunity, um, loved them dearly. Uh, they had grown up uh, with their mom, you know, around us, around my parents, uh, maybe in and out of the house a little bit. And so when the opportunity came, just like, again, I got to do something. And so, um, I w I was able to become their, their legal guardian. And I'm so thankful for, for the opportunity that provided, uh, for me to, um, pour into them to, to love them. Um, but now I look back and also grieve a little bit, um, because having come through recovery now, um, uh, I look at how, my relationship with my siblings, how my relationship specifically uh, with their their mother was always dominated with the thinking of if she just tried harder, if she just did this, things would be fixed and completely ignorant to the impact that trauma has had, the impact that addiction had played um, and just so judgmental. And it broke our relationship in so many ways, uh, many of which were my fault. And I'm really, I really grieve that, that uh, through that experience, instead of uh, having maybe more mature, wise uh, view of how to, one, love the kids and, and encourage them, and two, really support and encourage her, uh, my motivation was just, I know what's best. If everybody would just listen to me, <laughs> things would be better. <laughs> and for three years, that that was the philosophy. And for three years, it didn't work. <laughs> Not that it wasn't uh, um, good and fulfilling and um, bonded us, uh, now these young men, uh, in ways that nothing else would have. Um, but there's part of me that just grieves that the lost opportunity 
because of the judgment, because of the anger, the pride um, that was really dominating my life. And so um, it was that was existent in my personal life. It was existent in my memory or my, my ministry, you know, working at the church, uh, being exposed to um, the world through missions and, and being able to travel. Um, big issues became uh, my problem to solve. You know, I, I love deeply the people of Haiti. I was able to travel there um, often. And uh, biggest issue there is the lack of clean water. And so uh, even to this day, I'm plagued by the the vision of children who are drinking dirty water out of a dirty bottle because it's the only thing available. Um, and so uh, I know, you know, I wanted to do something and felt like our church could do something. And so I uh, was so thankful that we were able to do a lot in water projects and, and provide um, clean water that literally saved lives. Um, but no matter how much I did, no matter what I, uh, what we were able to accomplish, it was never enough. And there was no satisfaction. There was, um, there was always that next thing. Um, and the anger and the shame at myself that we, we couldn't do enough. I couldn't fix the problem. Um, and that, that, that existed in my relationships as well, that, um, everything for me, every problem I came across was, um, this is the problem. I can do this and this will fix it. This will be the solution. Um, codependency is really, that's, uh, that's simply put is, is what that is, you know, um, being the, maybe the, the hero to everybody being the savior to everyone. And I was put in the perfect position as a pastor to try to do that, <laughs> to try to be, uh, the savior to all the you know, the 150 kids that I got to minister to, to try to be the savior to my family and my siblings when they were struggling. Uh, everything about my life was always about fixing it, saving it, um, and not as an option, but I had to. Um, what it led me to was really no authentic relationships in my life. Every relationship was, what's your problem? How can I fix it? no friendship that was really true and transparent um, because of just that that motivation and that mindset in my life. Uh, and I, that was ex especially evident in uh, my relationship with my wife prior to us uh, dating. Uh, I knew uh, Samantha and I, uh, we, we started to have a closer relationship when I was in college. I mentioned our, our friend Todd uh, who had passed his passing was what God used to direct me toward ministry, and it's what he used to bring her uh, to church and then ultimately to a place where uh, she accepted uh, the Lord. And that, that came through depression, that came through a really dark time uh, in her life, but uh, she knew there was hope and that hope could be found in Jesus. And so uh, when she accepted Jesus, we, uh, she reached out to me uh, and said, what do I do now? And so I was like, well, this is exciting. Uh, and so I mentored her a little bit in college. Uh, we were really upfront with 
uh, we're not going to pursue a relationship here like that. That wouldn't be wise. We're, <laughs> we, we just want to be friends. And, I, and, uh, and that's how it started. We, uh, we got to serve in, in a lot of ministries together. Uh, we got to go to Haiti a lot. She got to serve in student ministry with me. Uh, it wasn't very long before I realized that she's beautiful and I'm really attracted to her and I love her spirit. I love her, her heart, uh, for other people and her heart for, for God. And so, uh, was just full head over heels before too long. And, uh, her response was in that moment or in those times was no, that's, uh, we're not going to date. Uh, I don't want to date you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and she would say, you know, uh, I think it should give me permission to say this. She was afraid of losing someone close to her again because her and Todd were best friends. And so uh, as we became best friends and I pursued a relationship, there was fear in her uh, that led to anger. And for me, uh, there was anger because, one, like she needed me, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Like everybody else, they they needed they needed me in their life, uh, and even uh, you know every problem that she had, small or large, uh, she'd open up as uh, ladies like to do and just tell you what's going on. Uh, my response almost every time was, "Well, I can fix that. <laughs> like, why don't you let me?" And so our friendship grew uh, really close over the course of several years and even personally knew where it would eventually end up. I knew we would, we would eventually be husband and wife. We'd get married. I uh, felt like God had told me that also felt like he had told me I had to wait uh, a specific number of years before uh, that was going to happen to which I would agree to at some point and then push the envelope. And it led us relationally and just through a, a, a cycle of, uh, great times together and then fear on her side, anger on my side, and then destruction. (laughs) Like just that cycle of, uh, really close experiencing wonderful things. And then it all seeming to fall apart. And, uh, a lot of anger from her, a lot of anger from me, um, and, and sense of rejection as well. So it, uh, unfortunately, uh, that that continued, and it wasn't until she had the courage, uh, I think, to step out of denial and say, hey, my anger maybe is a little out of control, and reach out to our CR program at the church that uh, she really began to grow and get some counseling and, and some healing. Uh, for me, I was so glad that she was going to fix her problems because if she could just get work, <laughs> if she could just get things right, then we could, we we would have a chance. Right. And so uh, for the six or eight months that she was going through the twelve step program, uh, we didn't we didn't talk much. We I mean had almost completely severed uh, even our friendship. Just like I knew she needed she needed help. Uh, and, and so she came through that and like literally transformed. Uh, I remember talking to her after she processed her inventory, she reached out to me to make amends. And it was just like, she's a new, just totally different new person. And so I was really thankful, you know, just for the impact celebrate recovery had had on her life, but her being new and different and me being stuck still 
and my anger and my codependency meant that this new opportunity for a different kind of relationship wasn't going to happen because I still approached her the same way. I still approached my, my life the same way. And unfortunately, it was a sequence of a lot of pain and repeating those cycles uh, of destruction on my part that led us to what I would call my rock bottom, uh, realizing that, hey, something is out of control. Um, you know, when I was first introduced to Celebrate Recovery, uh, we did it as pastors and elders. And I remember reading step one, where we admit that uh, our life has become unmanageable and almost not being able to say that. Like, my life's not unmanageable. I can handle it. I can take care of things. I can fix things for others and myself. Recovery is not what I, <laughs> I need. I, uh, God's forgiven of all, me of all my past. I don't need to look back at my story. I don't need to consider where I came from or how that's impacted my life now because it's all about now moving forward. And uh, that was just flat out denial. And so coming actually out of denial and uh, meeting with uh, one of our members and asking him to help help me process my inventory, which I had written but never shared with anybody, and sharing uh, some of those hurts, some of those that shame that that I had experienced in my life. Uh, one, it, it was so freeing because I could literally feel weight being lifted off my back, and two, it finally opened me to honest uh, encouragement from someone else, uh, true transparency, where he said dude, that's not normal. Like it's not normal to be the savior to everybody. It's not normal, uh, to go through these cycles in your relationship. It's not normal, uh, to be full, full of anger all the time and to use that and what you think is a positive way, like motivating you to work harder <laughs> to do more. And so, uh, he, he really spoke that into me and, uh, it set me up to really pursue recovery in a more authentic way. And so, as I did that in 2015, as I really went through the 12 steps uh, with a couple of our elders, I started to, again, unpack some of the root of my codependency and just my relationship cycles. I started to unpack some of the root of my anger, uh, which is a lot of time rooted in my pride and my jealousy, and started to confess to them, uh, to God, and then eventually to other people my shortcomings. And what it did was completely transform how I saw myself, um, how I saw others, how I related, uh, and just the transparency that I had, um, all along, you know, feeling like I could never do enough for others also meant I could never do enough for God. And I think that was, that was one of the things that kept me stuck, um, spiritually in my life. And even as a pastor was feeling a sense of shame that I was never enough. Um, but as long as I'm trying to do everything under my own power, I won't ever be enough. You know, I won't have the solutions. I won't have, um, enough to fix the world's problem. And I'm never called to that. Uh, Jesus did that and continues to do that. We get to be used in a way, but, uh, it's what, you know, it's his job to do that. And so, um, coming through the 12 steps really transformed my spiritual life and my trust in, in what God could do, what God has done. Um, and from that, it transformed how I viewed work, how I viewed ministry, how I viewed relationships. 
everything. It transformed finally my relationship with Samantha uh, to where we could actually pursue each other uh, with healthy boundaries, with healthy expectations. And I mean, one of the greatest gifts is being able to have a marriage now uh, where we've both been through recovery, where we've both been honest about triggers and issues in our life. And we can speak truth into one another and love and be open to it. Um, and so uh, we, we pursued each other in 2015. Uh, I proposed to her uh, in Haiti uh, on the mountain, surrounded by the kids at our orphanage, uh, which was uh, just a wonderful, wonderful thing, and got married three months later. Man, God blessed us tremendously with just uh, love and support from our church, uh, from the CR family, and also blessed us immediately with children. Uh, we had we had Adeline uh, ten months literally after after we we were married. Uh, took two all of two weeks for the Lord to bless us uh, to conceive her, and uh, ten months later we we were uh, yeah we were welcoming our our, our little baby girl uh, into our life. Um, one thing we didn't expect uh, was postpartum to hit so hard you know for us both it was a dream come true we were finally married finally you know stepping into the new season of life uh after Adeline was born it was like we were stepping into everything both of us had dreamed of uh we were married we uh were blessed with a healthy baby girl uh Samantha though fell a little bit off um we know now it was it was postpartum depression and anxiety uh she had a couple events trigger it uh, but for the first four or six weeks uh, of Adeline's life, uh, she was really struggling, and I was really relapsing. You know, it was uh, as she as she was struggling. It was that that father uh, wanting to take care of my my baby and do everything I could for her, wanting as a husband to take care of my wife and feeling like everything was out of control. Um, and so, uh, I remember a lot of just confusion, uh, anger codependency seeping up at that because it was I knew what would set her off and you know what what brought some anxiety and so um, it was all about trying to eliminate that and to eliminate all those triggers it wasn't till Alan was about six weeks old that we finally had the talk of hey maybe this isn't normal like in this postpartum maybe it was more than you know uh, just us getting through these first six weeks and so um we finally, you know, she talked to her doctor and was like, yeah, this is, this is some pretty difficult postpartum anxiety, depression. Um, and, and so, uh, thankfully we, we took some steps to, to, to handle that. Um, but it still led me, uh, in the beginning of our marriage and the beginning of parenting to really, uh, tempted to pick up those, those things that I had tried to let go of that, that codependency that, um, uh, wanting to fix everything and to provide everything and to make sure nobody in my family now, um, my wife, my kids ever struggled, ever, ever had anything uh, wrong. Uh, I think that that fueled my, my anger, uh, which at that point I really hadn't reconciled or resolved because every time I failed to keep her from being anxious, I was a failure and I was mad about it. And, and so, uh, we we went through uh first year of Adeline's life when she was about six months we said hey this is wonderful it 
why don't we think about having another one right now? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> no, I do know why. We, we loved uh, every bit of our time together as a family. Uh, we prayed about it, surrendered to God, and quickly uh, he blessed us with uh, Gavin being on the way. And so they were born 16 months apart. And, uh, man, just so fun. Uh, now they're four years old. They're three years old. Uh, just incredible to have uh, two children. Uh, you know, being in student ministry so long, I always thought I loved these kids like they're my own. And I do. Uh, children in our church, the, the kids that I, I got to love and spend so much time with in Haiti, I love them like they're my own. But uh, when they're yours... <laughs> Uh, it's a little different, and and so I'm I'm just so thankful uh, for Adeline for Gavin. Uh, we're now uh, expecting our th- our third. Uh, we've got a little girl uh, coming soon. Um, hopefully not too soon. Hopefully she holds off for a few more weeks. But uh, go, as we we're growing our family, doing ministry, doing life, uh, it seemed like a blur, but was full of just incredible support and encouragement from uh, our church family, from our physical family. And a couple of years ago uh, now, um, we were asked to, to pray about considering a transition from student ministry to uh, celebrate recovery and being a director of that. And it wasn't the first time that we had prayed about that. And always before it was just a no. Like, that's not my call. No, I love CR. And by this point in time, I've, I've been transformed uh, in a lot of ways from Celebrate Recovery. Uh, but student ministry was where it was at. And uh, this time, it was uh, spring of ni- 19, 2019, as we began to pray. It was like, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the direction uh, our next season of life. And through six months of prayer, God said yes. And... Uh, transitioned us into now celebrate recovery where we get to help direct and, and lead that ministry and uh, I'm just so thankful that that we get to be in what we call the forever family and <laughs> we get to see life change happen in such powerful ways Thank you.